On this morning, I want to invite you to Matthew chapter 20. Uh, um, I was also told that there are refreshments after worship for any who just want to be refreshed in a culinary way. Matthew chapter 20, we want to begin with verse number 20, and we want to end at verse number 26. We're continuing our study and our, our message on leadership. Thank you. You want to stand for the reading of the word, you can feel free to do so. And we're continuing our lesson on leadership, and we're going to use this text as a base text. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came to him with her sons bowing down and making a request of him. And he said to her, what do you wish? She said to him, command that in your kingdom these two sons of mine may sit one on your right and one on your left. But Jesus answered and said, you do not know what you are asking for. Are you able to drink the cup that I am able or about to drink? Then said to him, they said unto him, we are able. He said to them, my cup you shall drink, but to sit on my right and on my left, this is not mine to give, but it is for those whom it has been prepared by my father. And hearing this, the ten became indignant with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great men exercise authority over them. Their great men exercise authority. Okay, y'all see that? Their great men exercise authority or their rulers or whoever they consider to be great. They're, they're identified because they exercise authority. Everybody say authority. That word authority is another word for power. They, and those are the ones who are great among the Gentiles. But then he says, it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your what? You may be seated. Leadership is one of those things that people, especially church leadership, it's one of those things that people may not find interesting. I mean, most people who come to church don't think about who the leaders are. The majority of people come to church, they come for the worship, they come for the singing, they come for the word, they come to give, they come, if you're in our uh, fellowship, you come to do the five acts to give, to take communion, and you may not even know who the leaders are. Some of us don't necessarily care, and it's not because we are unconcerned, but we don't feel like that's relevant to us. 
And sometimes we feel that way even in city governments. And because we have felt that way even secularly in city governments, this is why there might be somebody in office right now who might not have made it to office if we cared about leadership a little more. You cannot complain about how things go at the top if you were not concerned about how things went at the top. You cannot divorce yourself of the idea that there are leaders in every sector of the community. And there are leaders even in the church on a corporate level. The reason why this is important and the reason why this is vital is because if you don't know that there are leaders and you don't care that there are leaders, then you don't care about the outcome of the leadership that exists in these areas of the community. Most people wake up when the outcome happens, but they fall asleep when the selection happens. Oh, y'all not with me this morning. You cannot fall asleep for the plot of the movie and become confused about why you're not excited about the end of the movie. You have to stay woke. Turn to somebody and say, stay woke. <laughs> turn, I like that. Turn to the other person and say, stay woke. And turn to the person behind you and say, wake up. <laughs> Ain't no stay for that person. They, walk, they walked in sleep. Yeah. Those AMC 30 seats, I get it. We're talking about leadership because it's pertinent. As, you, as we say, we teach in the direction we're going in. We're on the brink of getting more leaders. We need more leaders. And what I mean by leaders is I'm talking about on a real formal setting. Last week, we went to the Old Testament to talk about the laundry list of leadership. We talked about the idea that God doesn't choose perfect people. He doesn't use people who are flawless, but he sees something, a quality in them in spite of their flaws that causes him to call them into leadership. And the quality that he sees in spite of their flaws is faith. See, the Bible doesn't talk so much or push so much on us being flawless, but the Bible calls us to be faithful. And a person can have all the flaws in the world, but if they are faithful, and when I say faithful, I'm not just talking about your faith in God because everybody claims to have faith in God, but the word faith means fidelity. In the word faithful is, is the idea of commitment meaning you can be depended on. There are a lot of people that'll say they'll do it, but very few people that'll go. Faithfulness is not only trusting God, but faithfulness is a characteristic of being a leader, whether you're a woman or a man. Faithfulness is that commitment to where if you say you're going to be there, you're going to be there. If you say you're going to do it, you're going to do it. The world would fall apart if there were people that were not committed. Are you understanding what I'm saying? And when God sees the quality of faithfulness in you, God, watch this, has a tendency to use your flaws to bring him glory. And we talked about in the Old Testament Moses and we talked about Gideon, but I want you to know that even in the New Testament, the men who Jesus chose, pay attention, the men who Jesus chose were flawed men. 
They had a laundry list of things that were wrong with them. They were misfits. They didn't quite get it. They were not quite as sharp. They weren't the brightest bulbs in the chandelier. They weren't the sharpest knives in the drawer. But yet Jesus decided to choose them not based on their flawlessness, but based on their faithfulness. Even the one he chose that betrayed him showed faithfulness. What do you mean he showed faithfulness? Yes, Judas that kissed him on the cheek and sold him for 30 pieces of silver. He was faithful in doing what he did. Now, now, what do you mean faithful? I I still don't get it. I'm going to tell you, Judas was so committed to betraying Jesus that he walked up to him and kissed him after selling him for 30 pieces of silver. Judas was part of the plan of God. It took a faithful traitor. Yeah, I'm missing this. See, God will put a faithful enemy in your life. Oh, I'm going off. But God will put a faithful hater in your life to draw you closer to him. Even God, when he calls your haters that are going to be the ones responsible for why you pray more, will choose and call a hater that's faithful, that's committed to making your life miserable. In the Old Testament, when it came to to the children of Israel, he told Moses, you go and talk to Pharaoh, tell him to let my people go, but I'm going to tell you something, he's not going to do it. Why? Because he's faithful. I've hardened his heart. He is committed to keeping you. And through Pharaoh, I'm going to get glory. So God calls faithful. Now, of course, I'm not saying that you need to be a faithful hater or a faithful traitor. But I'm trying to show you that God is not expecting perfection like we do. Like we do. Listen to us. I can't see why he's a leader. I can't see how he's going to be like that. You And you're a leader. We're going to get to the text. I don't have a long sermon. I told one of the guys that used to be a deacon, I said, it's, I told him it's only long-winded when you don't have an appetite. But, uh, but, uh, but uh, no, we have, we have a double standard. Let me show you something. We say, as, I just think as a leader, as a leader, you need to be an example. But you call yourself a Christian. So I guess as a Christian, you really don't have to be an example. But if you're a leader among Christians, you need to be an example. Can I stop by here? I've really got to shorten this text part. I need to stop here because I need to put this message in here. Let me tell you something. Uh, If I wild out on social media and I put pictures of me wilding out and I'm smoking and drinking, doing duck lips and tongue sticking out, half naked, Some of you would lose your ever-loving mind, and you'll say that, look, he's supposed to be a leader, but you're supposed to be twice born, blood-washed. 
but somehow, some way, it's okay for you. Okay, okay, okay. I had to stop. I had to drop that bomb. I had to drop that bomb. As a matter of fact, I do a regular check on every leader's social media page that's part of this church. Because if you push in Cavassier more than you're pushing Christ, let's get into the text. I'm about to get in trouble. I'm about to get in trouble. Y'all don't like that. Some of y'all don't like that. That's all right. I'm the mailman. I deliver the mail. Just keep the envelope closed. Stop opening the envelope. I'm just giving you your mail. Ignore it all you want. That's not it. The mail is not from me. So let me tell you in this text. Let me get into the text. I've been in New York all week. I'm sorry. I've been a little tired. So here we have Jesus' disciples who he chose. The mother of two of his disciples, James and John, she brings her sons to Jesus. Now they were already following him. Now, I need you to understand that they thought that Jesus was going to be the kind of king that would be revolutionary, that would overthrow Rome. You had this community of Jewish people who had always heard of a soon-coming Messiah, of a soon-coming king. Well, the idea of the king, they thought, would be a king that would come and rescue them from the power of Rome. So they assumed that a king would come with a sword and a shield and lead this great revolution and throne would, and Rome would collapse and fall and then the, the Jews would sit as the main people of that time and that king would sit on the throne. So quite naturally, mom was trying to make sure her boys were tied to greatness. Here's a principle of leadership. You cannot operate off of wanting to be a leader because of somebody else's ambition for you. It is dangerous to want to be in church leadership because somebody else thinks you'd make a great leader. That is dangerous. You subject yourself to the flying, fleeting, quite fickle opinions of people because today I've learned people will want you to be a leader and tomorrow they will wonder how in the world you became a leader. Amen. This is not about popularity or personality. And here, hit mom wanted James and John when Jesus, in her perception, would rise and sit on the throne. I want my sons to sit on your right hand and on your left. Let me tell you what that was the equivalent of. Any potentate in that time, the right hand meant that you were second in command. The left hand meant that you were third in command. She was trying to secure high-ranking positions for her sons when Jesus rose to power, not knowing that Jesus was already in power, that Jesus was already operating as the King of kings and the Lord of lords and would not be fully King of kings and Lord of lords until he conquered the last major enemy and the last major enemy was death. So you had a mama that wanted her sons to have a position and she brought her sons to Jesus so that Jesus can give them the position and watch this, she wanted them to be great and she was ambitious for them to have power. 
power. It is also dangerous, my brothers and my sisters, to want to be a ministry leader, to want to be an elder, to want to be a deacon, to want to be a preacher, to want to be an evangelist, to want to be a supervisor, to want to be a manager, or whatever it is on your job, being motivated and fueled by a desire for power. Because power has a way of corrupting. And in far, as far as the kingdom, there's only one person who has all power indisputably, irrefutably in his hand, and that is Jesus. In other words, ain't nobody in here going to get bigger than Jesus. So here, she brings James and John, and she wants Jesus to put them on the left and on the right. And she's ambitious for them. Sometimes wives are ambitious for their husbands to be in leadership. Mm. What does that look like? Well, what does that look like in the church? Sometimes, sometimes the ambition of the mother or the ambition of the relative is so that they can use the person who they're ambitious for to have the position vicariously. What is vicariously? That means to have it in their place. Sometimes it isn't the wife being ambitious for the husband, but just so that the husband can be in the position. Sometimes the wife understands that since she already controls her husband, if he can get the position, she now controls the position because before the position, she controlled her husband. Oh, y'all getting quiet on me. So it's dangerous to ordain or lay hands on a man in church leadership who, ha who cannot bring himself to lead his own household because whoever leads his household will lead in that office. I'm going to let that soak for a moment. I, I, if I had time, I'd give you an example of old Jezebel Jezebel wasn't Jezebel because she was fast. Some of us got it all wrong. You just a Jezebel, a hot Jezebel. No, 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 no. That wasn't Jezebel's problem. Jezebel's problem was not that she was a freak. Some of y'all thought Jezebel was Jezebel because she was fast. And she, no, no, no. You know what Jezebel's issue was? She was controlling. Her issue was Ahab, her husband, was the king. And in order to, uh, watch this, what she would do is she would use his authority to control the kingdom. Okay. Okay. Y'all didn't like that point, I know. I'm sorry, I guess it'll stack up with the rest of the mail you have that you hadn't opened yet. That's all right, that's all right. And so mom was ambitious for leadership. Dangerous to lay hands on any man to make him an elder, or to make him a deacon, which the Holy Spirit makes a man who he is. But the evangelist ordains. One of my jobs as the evangelist, and it's whoever the evangelist here will be or is or is going to be 10 years from now, or whoever the evangelist of the church is, his task is to train and ordain. And it is dangerous to ordain somebody who has an absentee leadership. He's being ordained, but the leader's sitting in the audience. Man. All right, all right. So, 
It has to be his desire. It has to be his ambition. And you cannot get to the place where you want for him what he doesn't want for him. And if he doesn't want it for him, he shouldn't do it to appease what other people want. Mom said, I want my boys to sit on your left and right. This is what Jesus says. You ask him for something, but are you sure you want this? Jesus is saying, you sure you want this? Are you ready to drink from the cup? See, they thought Jesus was going to rise to a literal throne. They didn't understand that the way to Jesus becoming king and him being crowned Lord of all was not going to consist of a big, big ceremony and everybody marching in. And it wouldn't consist of a big inauguration, but it would consist on a chilly Friday night, him being nailed in the hands and nailed in his feet and despised and rejected. They wanted his car, but they didn't want the car note. They wanted his house, but didn't want the mortgage. And it's very possible, just like the disciples who were right there with Jesus, for somebody to not really fully understand what it costs to be in a leadership position. And I'm not just talking about elders or deacons, but even on your job, even in your school, you better make sure that you really understand what it means to go to the next level because the next level comes with new burdens. Everybody wants to be skipped and finish school early. But if you're skipped to the 10th grade from the 8th grade, it means you're going to get 10th grade work. Are y'all getting this? You don't get to skip and not do the work. And it's very possible that some of us arrived at some places in our lives too early. And when you get there too early, you're ready for the position, but you're not ready for the responsibility. I wish there was a witness that can testify that there have been times and places in your life where you got there too early because you were so ambitious and you wanted it. You wanted the position. You wanted the rank. You wanted the job. You wanted the child. You wanted the family that instead of doing it through God's process, you found a way and your ambition found a way to get it some other way. You got there and it wasn't until you got there that you realize you weren't ready to be there. Then you have to operate in a retardation where you have to operate in an area where people who are on that plane and on that level operate with ease. Now you have to do it broken because you wanted it but didn't understand it. Oh my God, that's with everything. Uh, the Burnett celebrated 50 years of marriage. The Twymans will celebrate 50 years of marriage. And there's somebody that's been married two years that says, I can't wait till I, we get old and celebrate 50 years. Do you know what you're asking for? There's some single person saying, you know what? Oh, that's what I'm about. Goals. That's my objective. Goals. 
That's real talk. That's going to be me. Me and you, boo. But all it takes is the burden and the responsibility and the hardship of marriage to turn your boo into boo-boo. Y'all not ready to hear this. Y'all don't want this. Y'all not ready. So Jesus tells him, watch what he tells him. I'm, I'm almost finished. I'm just having a good time teaching this. I enjoy this. But look at what he tells him, y'all. He says in verse number 22, you don't know what you're asking for. You want, you're ambitious for your sons. And, your son, and they, these were not little boys. These were grown men. So mama was talking for these grown men. He says, he says you don't know what you're asking for. Are you ready to drink, drink the cup of which I must drink? You want it, but you don't know it. And you know what? We get like that in our prayer lives. Have you ever prayed for something? but didn't really know what you were asking for? And how did you know you didn't know it? Because when God gave it to you, you didn't know what to do with it. You felt stuck. And now you had to pray to God to undo what he gave you. <laughs> you had to pray to God to undo what he gave you. You had to pray to God to undo even who he gave you. Because you weren't ready. Jesus is saying that you don't know what you're asking for. Here you are. First of all, you don't know because you think I'm rising to be a king like the emperor of Rome. That's not what I'm rising to. Number two, you don't know what you're asking for because you don't know what it costs. And he says, are you willing to drink the cup from the cup that I will drink? He stops talking to mom, starts talking to them, and they says, yes, we're ready to drink it. Yeah, we can do it. Yeah, we can do it. We're ready to sign the dotted line. Oh, I know we, we know we didn't read the fine print. Just show us where the sign, where the sign. And a lot of us get in trouble and a lot of leaders get in trouble because they don't read the fine print of leadership. Wow, we can have a laundry list of social issues. There is a higher standard for leadership. There's a higher standard for leadership. And the higher standard for leadership, Landrum, is that leadership has to be able, as a higher standard, to be lower. <laughs> Watch what happens here in this text. This is verses, we're going to look at what Jesus contrasts. The Bible says that, he says, you don't know what you're asking for. You don't know what you want. I hear what you're saying. Are you able to do it? They said, we are able. He said unto them, my cup you shall drink, but I can't give you that. I can't give you left and right, not mine to give. Look at the next verse. And hearing this, the ten became indignant with the two brothers. So you had two brothers of the twelve disciples, and the ten of them got upset with the two. Now, no doubt they got upset with the two, not because, look at them, they're asking such an immature thing. Sometimes you get upset because sometimes the person, you're upset at the person that beat you to asking. Because you know in the ten that got upset with the two was Judas. And they, get, they got indignant with the two because the two tried to on the sly get a higher position. Because if they ended up on the left and the right, that would mean the ten would be under them. The Bible says that Jesus gives this illustration. Pay attention, church. 
You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their great men exercised authority over them. The Gentiles were the, the people that were not part of God. Jesus is saying, you know that their standard of leadership, their standard of greatness is how many people they lord over. How many people do what they say do. It's dangerous to want to be a leader to tell somebody what to do. Even more so in the church. If your ambition to be a ministry leader, and you better believe we've had it over the years, people who desire to be in leadership, to be in a rank in the church so that they can tell somebody what to do. That's carnal leadership. That's what the world offers. This is not the world. This is the kingdom of God. And I know, you, I know there's a corporate side to the church, but the reality is Jesus is the head of the kingdom, and the way God wants his church ran is inverse to the world. While the world says you're great because you get to tell people what to do and you can be the Lord over them and you tell them to go and they go. You tell them to stay and they stay. Look what Jesus says is the standard for kingdom leadership in the very next verse. He says in verse number 20, uh, 26, it is not so among you. Because you think my kingdom is an earthly kingdom, you think if you sit on my left and right, you get to rule and tell people what to do. No, 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 no. That's not what kind of kingdom this is. He says, he that will be great among you will be your servant. Not your Lord, but your servant. Now watch this. This is a kingdom principle. This is going to bless everybody's life, even the church when it comes to leadership. You don't, watch this, lord your way to the top. You serve your way to the top. And the top ends up the bottom that people can stand on. Y'all missed that. <laughs> now that's in the kingdom. If you take this kingdom principle and look out in the world and pay close attention it works in the world. And I'm going to show you how it works. Let's start with the children of Israel. The Egyptians were slaves. And, it, and, and let me tell you something, because I see some of you that look disconnected. The preaching of the word is not to entertain you or to make you jump, shout, scream, or anything like that. It's so that you can be educated. Amen. I'd rather you sit there and be quiet and learn than to jump shout and resume life as if there is no God like you came in here. Whoa. It's about learning. Be educated. You've, I've been saying that for years. Be educated. Watch this. The children of Israel were slaves to Egypt. When Moses sent, God sent Moses to free them, and they started leaving out, Pharaoh went to chase them. I'm saying, man, if you remember that. Do you know why Pharaoh went to chase them? Not to kill them. But Egypt, watch this, depended on the lowest class of people to stay a nation. The reason why Egypt is beautiful and people who are attracted to ancient Egypt history, they all of the pyramids and the large statues. Do you know who was making that? Slaves. So who were the most important people in Egyptian economy? 
The ones that were the lowest people were the most important people. So when Moses came to take the children of Israel out, Pharaoh went chasing them not to kill them. They so did not know their own value that they thought Pharaoh was going to kill them. Pharaoh never intended to kill them. He intended to get them back because their greatness stood upon the shoulders of those people's slavery. Now, I, I got to make this applicable because some of you have jobs that you feel are less than. I gave this example in the early, in the early service. I, I like Bucky's. Anybody like Bucky's? I'm just breaking away on this. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not losing it. I like Bucky's. And uh, they put Bucky's on, they keep building these Bucky's. You know, how many of you, but you know, you know the greatest attraction of Bucky's? Somebody said the beef jerky. No, the greatest attraction of Bucky's on the highway is their bathrooms. Watch this. Watch this. There are some of you that would think being a bathroom cleaner is just, no, I'll never do that. But you know what keeps Bucky's retail going? the bathrooms. People come to use the bathroom and between the bathroom and the door, they got to pass the beef jerky, they got to pass the sandwiches, they got to pass the popcorn, they got to pass the drinks, they got to pass the fountain drink, they got to pass the sandwiches and the barbecue and the sausages and the, all of this and that and the other. And by the time they get to the counter, all of the other allurements has attracted them. So now they pay money. But you know what they really paid for? They paid to use the bathroom. Because it was the bathroom that attracted them. So watch this. It seemed to me, watch this, because this is a kingdom principle, that the most valuable people to Bucky's are not the cashiers. The most valuable people to Bucky's are the ones that clean the bathrooms that make people stop so that retail can get paid. So this means if one day every bathroom cleaner got tired of being paid so low and left, Bucky's would drop down in their retail sales and become just like Chevron. Y'all don't, some of y'all not seeing this. This means they do so well at the counter because somebody somewhere is humble enough to go in after somebody that use the bathroom and clean it up for the next person. You might think that's nothing. You might think that's insignificant, but Bucky sure doesn't. So this is why they make sure out of everything that's clean, the bathrooms are clean and the workers are necessary because those that shall be servants shall be greatest among you. Does that make sense? So leadership starts when you make it up in your mind that you're going to serve because people who serve are depended on by people who get served. So in any economy, watch this, in any economy, the greatest people in the economy are the people that are doing the jobs that nobody else want to do. Y'all not hearing me. Y'all not hearing between the lines. People that are doing the jobs that nobody wants to do. 
But when you get lifted with pride, you don't want to do those jobs anymore. And when you disconnect from serving, you disconnect from significance. If you ain't serving, you're not significant. And as a race, as a race, some of us have moved up to a deluxe apartment in the sky so much. And become allergic to serving and doing small beginning things that we're losing our significance. Our presence may not matter. And if your presence does not matter, your absence doesn't matter. When a mother stops serving her children, they don't need her. When a father stops serving his family, you're not needed. Your greatness in the kingdom is tied to your service. And your significance as a leader is tied to your service. You can have a title all day long. If the elders want to, they can get up here and every time they got up there, I'm an elder. I'm the elder here. I'm the preacher here. How are you doing? How are you doing? JK, I'm the preacher. We're in a generation today, it, the millennials and the post-millennials, they don't care about that. Now, there was a generation that cared, and they said, whoa, let me share something with you. Y'all got time for this? This is funny. Y'all don't have time for this. I don't know. Okay, what's happening? This time, this time I got time for this? I got time. Okay, okay. So, so. You know, I have a barber I go in to see. Don't look at this. Look at this. <laughs> this, this side acting funny, shady over here, <laughs> laughing at my hair and whatnot. I do this, right? And uh, when I go into the barbershop, I don't go in, I'm a preacher. I don't go in with a three-piece suit, okay? As a matter of fact, if some of y'all saw me on a Monday or Tuesday, I've seen some of you, and you didn't even recognize <laughs> it was me. Right? Because I'm not in this. You know, I'm just, just be yourself, right? At the end of the day, that's who God is judging. Amen. He's not judging the position, he's judging the man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I don't get it there and I don't go in the barbershop and sit in the chair. Yes. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. He that cometh to God must believe. I'll make sure you get that side. That he is and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. God so loved the world. Now watch this. I go in, if I go to a different barber because my barber knows me, I go in and I just be a person. Sometimes I, I say, hey, you, you know, you, oh, you only take cash? Let me go to the machine. You want something to drink? Okay, okay. And I sit there. I don't criticize the talk that goes on in barbershops because if you're a man and you go to a barbershop, you know that barbershops can have some rare, very interesting conversation. <laughs> and you sisters are like, I wonder what? Think about the beauty shop. Stop tripping. Stop tripping. It's worse sometimes in the beauty shop.
As a matter of fact, secrets are told in the beauty shop. I heard it's best to keep your mouth shut underneath the hairdryer. You get to telling stuff and it end up all over Dallas. Okay, back, 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 bad, bad, bad preacher. But I, you know, I, I go in there. I don't rebuke anything. That's not my job. That's not my job to go around rebuking and judging people. I'm just myself. And they engage in conversation and I talk back. And they say, hey, wait, so what you do? <laughs> say, I'm, I'm a preacher. I preach. I preach for a church. And they say, oh. And then some of them say, oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> but you know why that's more respected? Because they saw your humanity before they saw a position. If you are in this thing for a position, you will lose your humanity over the position and forget that you sin too. And forget that you're flawed too. That's one extreme. But if you are careless with that position, you will live any kind of way and hold the position. Are you understanding that? So this is what he says. If you want to be great, be a servant. Serve. And I'm not talking about opening the door for somebody. That's good. That's service. But the depth of your service will be determined by the depth of your love. And the depth of your ministry will be determined by the depth of your service. If we all don't learn this, we will become a church that is only a worship center. I'm sorry, this is one of those lessons. This is not that, oh, oh, he was on fire. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's what I'm talking about. No, that, I don't want that. That's not, you can have that this Sunday. This Sunday, we need to understand that the key is in service. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 5, watch this. And it doesn't make you less than. As a matter of fact, the very Son of God who had the right to be called God. Philippians 2.5, let's look at it. Look at it for real in your Bibles, in your phones, like for real in real life. And if you don't have it, you know, you don't have it, just, but just look on with somebody else. But in real life, go there. I want to show you this, okay? And this is going to bless you because if you can grab a hold to this principle on your job, you'll be promoted without giving a title. Hello? They'll create a position for what you do. If you can get this on your job, you'll have more influence with the upper management than the person who's over you. But what we do is we get secular in the secchi, we get churchy in the churchy, and don't understand that the kingdom principles work outside of the kingdom. And there are people outside of the kingdom using the kingdom principles. And God is saying, I gave that to you. You don't have the raise. You asking me for a raise. I gave you your raise. What do you mean, Lord, you gave you my raise? When I told you to serve, that was your raise. 
That's the key to your raise, Jack. That's the key to your promotion. But no, you think that's something just for church. I said, if you want to be great, serve. That's the key. You want to climb up? You're trying to do it yourself? You're discouraged because every time you put in an application, they knock you down? God is saying, let me tell you something. You are separating the church from your life. You're separating the kingdom from your life. Take the kingdom principle that I gave you and go over here and use it on your job and serve. Not this. Don't just serve your boss because that's kissing up. Yes, right. Amen. When you only serve your boss. Serve the people who work under you. Serve the people who work beside you. Create an environment around you that's better. And they will notice that wherever you are, it gets better. And they will commission you to be in places that are worse. I often talk to some of you, you say, yeah, I got a promotion, but oh my goodness, it's, it's a mess. That's why God puts you there. Apparently, there's something about your life that's making environments better. Light shines brightest in the middle of darkness. And if you can take that kingdom principle, you can serve your way to the top of whatever you're trying to aspire for. Look at what Jesus, what happens with Jesus, Philippians 2. Let this mind. Have this attitude mm -hmm. in your souls, which also was in Christ Jesus. Read. Who, although he existed in the form of God. Watch this. He existed in the form of God. Read. Did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. In other words, he did, he, look, he did, not, he did not try to keep it. He was okay giving up his equality with God in heaven. Read. But emptied himself. Emptied himself. Watch this. Taking the form of a bondservant. He took the form of a bondservant. He had the right to come here and white Rome out, but he took on the form of a servant. And it's interesting to watch people who get arrogant when they get in the position. Amen. Everybody knows somebody that gets a position and they look, start losing themselves. You come back and you joke, you joke with them like you usually do. Hey, you know what, yeah, this and that, uh, you know, blah, 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 and they don't laugh. Suddenly it's not funny. Just as arrogant all of a sudden. It just, no, no. I wish I, where are the real people at? Shout at me. No, somebody lying. Somebody lying is what I say. Somebody lying. You ain't real up in here. You met somebody that get pompous when they get a position? Okay, maybe not a position. Did somebody get pompous if they get a house or a car, they ch attitude change, they get something, right? So, and, and, or, or they get put in a place where they have to operate differently and they get pompous. And let me tell you something, that's one thing. But look, if you, if you got to be arrogant, have something worth being arrogant about. I'm not saying arrogance is okay. It's not okay. Not okay to be arrogant. But if you're going to be arrogant, you can't be arrogant and ignorant at the same time. I mean, come on, that doesn't, that, doesn't even, that doesn't even go together. Jesus had the right. He had the power. He had the authority. He had the position. Yet 
when he came, he took on the form of a servant. And you know what made Jesus so great? What makes Jesus so great is that he lived as a servant, died as a servant, but coming back as Lord of all. So in leadership, in church leadership, in leadership in your life, the key is in serving somebody. Serve. Be willing to be made uncomfortable for somebody else's sake. Church culture in many circles have become very worldly. There are churches where if you're part of the upper echelon, you sit here. And that's only for people who are like this. Been the churches where you can't sit in certain areas. This, these seats are for the dignitaries. We used to be like that in our fellowship. I mean, women sitting in the front, years ago that was unheard of. Oh, I know I'm about to mess with somebody now. That was unheard. Women sitting in the front, you women belong in the back. Let the brothers sit here, you sit right there. And we developed a caste system. And for years, watch this, women were oppressed, even in our fellowship. Look around you. They were oppressed and given servant positions and relegated just to serve. That's your job. When we have homecoming with green beans and fried chicken and cornbread, you get in there and you serve. And you know what the sisters did? They got in there and they served. Now look around you. Everybody look around. What's the greatest in attendance? Those who were servants. The principle is everywhere around us. These sisters boycott the church now. And we'd be 17 brothers in a, in a, in a small room. <laughs> yeah, I ain't got to say amen. I didn't come to impress you or to make you feel better. Be 17 brothers in there wondering who going to say the prayer. <laughs> Go ahead, you pray. No, you got it. You got it. No, you, you got it. You got it. No, you got it. <laughs> No, not 17. I'm sorry, brothers. I'm not a sellout, brothers. Not 17. 19. I'm sorry. <laughs> let, me, let me land this plane. Let me land. I, I, okay, so let me show you this. Good, good, good. Let me take five minutes. Everybody go to 2 Timothy. I, I need to end this lesson with this. And for those of my preachers who are looking for theological nuggets of homiletical and hermeneutical substance, that's not that today, so relax. I wanted to be very practical because we're going into a phase where we need more leaders on an official capacity. Okay, so I'm going to take this moment, and we had the prayer first, so we'll just end. And if somebody wants to be a part of this congregation, I'm going to invite you to come. If somebody you want to give your life to Jesus, it's never, ever inconvenient to give your life to Jesus. But for, for right now, what I want to do is I want to be very practical. Second Timothy chapter, first Timothy chapter three. And I want you to look at this. I'm going, we're going to read this and read it nice and intensely. You may not have ever read this. 
And I think we preachers make a mistake of assuming that everybody in the church is familiar with this. Okay? For some of you, this is going to be the first time you've ever read this. And God bless you. Look what the Bible says. Look at what the Bible says. Start with verse number one, please. But realize this, Mm -hmm. that in the last days... First Timothy, chapter three. You're holding up everybody's lunch. They're trying to get the furs, man. (laughs) It is a trustworthy statement. That's what we want. Everybody follow. It is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to be the office of overseer... If somebody wants to be in the office of an overseer, please understand that an overseer is an elder, a bishop, a presbyter, right? Uh, Who pastors... Who pastors, okay? Pastor is a verb, okay? It's a verb, it's a noun by way of the verb, okay? If you're calling somebody a pastor who does not pastor, it's just wrong because it doesn't fit. Pastors or shepherds pastor, that's what they do. If a man wants to be that, read. It is a fine work he desires to do. He's, if he's asking for the position, he's asking for the work. Okay? Somebody said that's not a big deal. Yeah, we live in a world where people want the job, but they don't want the work. Hello? I'm going to apply for this job. You want the job, you want the pay, but you don't want the work. This word says if he desires or wants the position, he wants the work. And if you don't want the work, you don't need the position. If you have it and you don't want to work, an honest person to give up the position. A person of integrity will say, you know what, it's not. A person who is driven by ambition will hold the position even though he ain't doing the work. Okay, read. An overseer then must be above reproach. An overseer, an elder, a bishop must be above reproach. The husband of one wife. What is that? That means he got to be respected on the outside. You can't be a pimp in the community and be a bishop in the church. (laughs) Or a preacher in the church. Or a pastor in the church. You know, everybody in the community. Who is that? Oh, yo, dude, yo, I seen, I seen Lucius's picture on a church bulletin. Man, that dude is like a bishop. For real? Pimp Lucius? You cannot have a dichotomy of, of, of reputations where your reputation is, is garbage here, but you walk through these doors and you want, you know, no you got to be above reproach. That does not mean perfect. It means consistent. Read. The husband of one wife. The husband of one wife. Now, let me stop here. For the years in in, in our fellowship, we we said that that means he should only have been married one time. You know what? These are qualities, not qualifications. Okay? I'm going to show you how messed up that ideology is. This means that if that means married only one time, he could be married only one time, have his wife, and have several, a harem. And say, well, I'm, I only have one wife, though. 
We got 10 girlfriends, but one wife. <laughs> you see how petty we've been? What this is talking about is a one-woman man. And this was written during a time where polygamy was practiced. It was legal to have several wives. And, and still, people were still practicing having concubines. He has to be a one-woman kind of man, right? One-woman kind of man. Well, uh, one-wife kind of man, right? What does that look like before persons ordained? What kind of behavior precursors that? This means you still can be a one-woman type of man even before you're married. That's how you, you get on the road so that when, let me help you understand because some of you are confused. This means you practice belonging to one person and having one person before you get married. So maybe if we teach our boys and teach our young men to just date one person at a time, Maybe that will transfer into marriage, and since they were always used to being committed to one girlfriend at a time, maybe when they get a wife, does that make sense? Say amen if that makes sense to anybody. Okay, keep reading. Hurry up. We got to go. Temperate. Furs is, is about to open. Temperate. Uh-huh. Prudent. Respectful. Temperate. Prudent. Respectful. Hospitable. Hospitable. That means willing to open your house. Willing to open your house. In that time, hospitality was not saying, hey, how you doing? Can I get you a drink of water? No. Hospitality was willing to open your house. Do you know what that means and where that comes from? In that time, churches didn't meet in church buildings. You know where they met? In people's homes. It means whenever it was time to find a volunteer for who would host worship, you had to be one of the ones that say, oh, we'll do it. Come to our house which means being willing and having the integrity of a transparency. Not perfect or flawless, faithful. Read. Able, We're almost done. Able to teach. Able to teach. What? Not addicted. Wait, able to teach. You have to have some capability and some quality of teaching. It does not say you have to be the best teacher in the world. It does not mean you have to teach like somebody else, but you got to be able to teach. And ability of teaching speaks more to the knowledge that it takes to teach. You can't be a leader and not know nothing. I know that's not proper English. <laughs> Talking about, well, I don't, you know, I, I feel like I need to be a leader right now. I want to be a leader right now. Okay, okay. Well, uh, why don't you teach Wednesday? Well, okay, what are we going to teach on? Job? Job? Job. Yeah. Now, who was Job again? Man, sit down. <laughs> sit down, please. Let me get you a drink of water and serve you. Read. Not addicted to wine or pugnacious. Ooh, well, pump your brakes. <laughs> In the society where everybody's turning up, You can't be addicted to wine because addictive behavior becomes your refuge in, watch this, trying times and under pressure. And God knows there is pressure. There's pressure in ministry. Are you kidding me? When there's a victory, it's everybody's victory. When there's a failure, it's yours. That's pressure. And if you have addictive behavior, you're going to run to whatever it is you self-medicate with. Read. Or pugnacious. 
Read. But gentle. Read. Peaceable. Drop down to verse 8 because this is where we, where we need to be. Deacons likewise we must are, be made We are adding more deacons. There are men that have the desire to be deacons. So if, you are, if you're a brother in here and you want to be a deacon, hear this. Okay? Deacon, first of all, means servant. It doesn't mean in charge. So if you have an in-charge attitude, you don't need to be a deacon. If you got a, I got to run this attitude, you, need to, you don't need to be a deacon. I, we're not, I will not lay hands on any person who wants to be in charge. That is a very dangerous mentality. Jesus was in charge, and he washed the disciples' feet. If you're too big to be able to clean up, amen. If you're the type to be like, look at that on the floor. We need to get somebody to get that up. Look at that. No, 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 really, really. If your attitude is, look at that on the floor. We need to call Winrow. Winrow. Dwayne Winrow, yeah. Get that up, man. Who's the servant here? Who's the servant? No, no, you wanted to be funny and I'll do it the rest of the sermon. Come on. Who's the servant? Keep going, man. I'm sweating, man. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, go sit down. My sermon. You got to be willing to serve. This means that the deacon doesn't become a deacon and start serving. You pull from the pool of people who are already serving. In the corporate church, there's a such thing in different churches that you have corporate deacons. Now that's a way of serving. But a deacon got to be willing to serve wherever service is needed. I don't, I'm sorry, I don't pick that up. That's not my area. Ministry leaders can't be like that. Well, no, that's not my area. Every now and then, I'll do something strenuous, and some of the brothers will be like, sit down, Brother Hamilton. I think they say sit down, though, because it's something they don't trust me to do, like cutting grass. <laughs> but Brother Michael Johnson, where are you, Mike? Please know that this New Yorker can cut grass. <laughs> so Brother Hamilton, sit down. It's hot out here. I'm like, no, I'm cool. Let me do it. Give me the thing. Uh, no, no, no. And I found out later you were scared for me to have that, that trimmer out there because you thought I was going to break it. No, I went out there and I did a few. I cut some grass. I gave it back to you, didn't I? God bless you. But the idea of serving, but not just serving in the menial things like cutting grass, but if somebody needs you, you got to be willing to serve. And, and, and watch this. It's going to say something to the wives. Read. Women must likewise be dignified. Watch this. It says women, but this is talking about the wives of the deacons. Not malicious gossips. Y some of y'all, y'all didn't see that before. You didn't see that before. You, you, think, you think you can have a gossipy wife and retain your position? No. Your wife is going to get you sat down. Amen. Some of y'all are uncomfortable right now. Because you don't want me to say what the Bible says. But I didn't make this up. 
The wives cannot be gossipy. You cannot be a wife that's always talking and bringing the latest bad business and spreading and being a, 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 and being a, 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 a tail bearer that only gets excited when she's talking about somebody else. Which means that it's very possible that the man may have the qualities of a deacon, but because his wife does it, he can't be in the position. Y'all get this? It's right there in the Word. Read. But temperate. Temperate. Faithful in all things. Faithful. There's that word. Faithful. Temperate. You got to keep, you, you got to, you can't, I got to, you know, you can't walk around here with a bad temper, intimidating the flock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all I'm saying is, I'm about that life. <laughs> I'm about that life. Better not talk to me like that. You need to sit down in the pew if you can't control your temper. Why? I thought this was, you can, I thought you can be flawed and, and God can still use you. God can still use you, but not in this capacity and not in this office. This is what the Bible says. And if we're not careful and if we don't revisit this, even those of us who are in position, we'll get disconnected from this and start, watch this, drifting out of these qualities and thinking it's all right. It's not all right to have a short temper and call yourself a deacon. You can't be a deacon. Get your temper under control, but don't do it for the position. Do it to be pleasing to God. Read. Deacons must be husbands of only one wife. A one-woman man. Amen. Amen. Okay. Let me say that again. Amen. 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 See, that's, that's that. Ooh, ooh. You can't have a girl on the other side of town. Ooh, y'all don't like this. Y'all don't like it. Y'all don't like it. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's mine. That's mine over there. Oh, your wife? No. You ever word, read that word in the Bible called concubine? You got to be a one woman kind of man. Not, watch this. Not perfect. Let me tell you something. Carol and I don't have a perfect marriage. So we're not flawless. And guess what? None of y'all do either. None of y'all do. But you cannot be stewarding two marriages. You're right. And plus, it, that's a lot of work. <laughs> How hard is that? It ain't hard. It ain't hard. Wait a minute. I said that's a lot of work. You said no. <laughs> Go to the back. <laughs> what are you saying? It ain't hard. Oh, Lord. I better land this plane. The audience is getting me in trouble. Lord, have mercy. Let's hurry up and read this. We got to go to Furs. And good, Everybody, Furs is on me today. Go to Furs, say my name, and see if they give it to you free. Read. And good managers of their children and their own households. And good managers of their children and their household. 
and their household. You got to be able to manage your household. That's financially, that's spiritually, that's morally, that's ethically, that's emotionally. You got to be able to manage your household. Why? Because the household, this household, is God's household. And if you can't manage your household, how can you manage God's? Great. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a high standing and great confidence in that faith that is in Christ Jesus. Read. I am writing these things to you, hoping to come to you before long. Mm -hmm. But in case I am delayed, mm -hmm. I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct themselves. I'm writing this to you so that you, now Timothy was the preacher who would ordain these men. Paul said, I'm writing this to you, Timothy, so that you know how people should conduct themselves. These men in these offices should conduct themselves in the, the house, house of, God, of God, which is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and ground of faith. Amen. Do you see this? Amen. Now, if you didn't know this, if the church doesn't know this, then you can't identify Churches that don't know this fall victim to popularity leadership. In other words, you think a person's a good leader because you like their personality and, and not because of what the Bible says. This is not fair to the person who doesn't have much of a personality but lives godly. Because everybody's not a personality person. They're introverted men. We have some introverted men in our leadership that are excellent leaders. We have elders that are introverted. As a matter of fact, they're so introverted sometimes we try to nudge them a little bit, but they're introverted. They go visit the sick. They, 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 they teach. They can preach. We've had them introverted. But when, when you don't understand that it's not about personality, it's about faith. It's about having and being a model. And really, all of these things is what every Christian should be like. That's all it is. Then you'll go for the popular and ignore the faithful. Amen? That's all. I'm sorry, but I had to finish this with this part. Everybody stand to your feet. We'll end with this. First of all, let me just say, if there's somebody here and you've been visiting this church and visiting this church, we're only going to call you a visitor so long, but so long. Stop playing. Stop flirting, please. Come on home. This is home. Maybe you want to make this the place where you resume your discipleship. We invite you to come. We invite you to come. Just come down. Maybe you, this, you want this to be your church home. If you raise your hand, if you come down here, you'll just fill out a card and we'll make sure that our uh, prayer warriors and people who handle the responses do it. You're just looking for a church home. I've been coming to that church. Maybe you're here and you need a special prayer. We want our prayer warriors to, and prayer uh, uh, counselors to come down at this time. Uh, but right now, what we're going to do as we end this on leadership and we couldn't possibly do it in a month, but we tried to do it in a month because it's the direction we're going in. Uh, for those of you who don't, don't now know, and I don't want to assume, I'm going to ask, we have three elders right now, three presbyters, 
1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7 talks about these men that I'm about to call up. Uh, so I'm going to ask our elders, our shepherds, our bishops to come forward at this time, uh, come to the center stage. This is uh, Arthur Carr. He's one of the elders here, one of the bishops here. And this is Bishop Robert Gay, and this is Bishop uh, Jesse Twyman. And these are the men in verses 1 through verse 7. Okay? That's, that, that is what these are. And if, any, if you want to know how to be, if you want to follow the, the example, these men would be the example you would look at. Okay? All of the deacons that are here, I want you to come forward at this time. All of the deacons, and I've, uh, there's one missing this morning. We only have three. We have Roy Montgomery, and we have Anthony Fleming. From verse 8 to the end of that section, those are the deacons. That's what the Bible is talking about, okay? And that section over there, okay? This, as the church grows, it's going to be hard to be able to lay hands and touch and connect to everybody. But I'm doing this because every now and then we need to do this because pictures are not hung up and we haven't gotten to that place. So these are three are your elders and these two with the exception, uh, with the minus Darwin Brown who sometimes does the announcements, sometimes does the announcements, that those are the, those are the deacons. Now, uh, uh, if you want their names, their names are on. See, see, here's the thing. Uh, uh, you know, when you know, when, when, when your name is out there in this day and time, uh, you, you got to be careful when your name is out there because of Google. No, no, really, really. Beyond reproach means you're not ashamed for your name to be out there. Okay? You're not ashamed for your name to be out there. Not that you're flawless, but you're not ashamed for your name. You're not ashamed for anybody to look at your social media page. Well, I was getting quiet. Right? <laughs> As Christians, we shouldn't be, right? If we're representing Christ. Okay? Now we have men that desire the office as deacon. Uh, they want to work, and they're already serving in a certain capacity. We want those men to come forward. And this is not an ordination service. This is so that you can be seen by the congregation. We have Brother Colin O'Garro, Brother Mike Johnson, Brother Stephen Lewis, uh, Leonard, Ma I'm sorry, <laughs> Miles, you know you threw me off, Brother. You threw me off. And there's somebody, I was looking for Brother Carlos Smith. Where is he? He's not here today. So I want you to see that these are the men who want that. So if you want to see how these men should be, it's right there. If you want to know what leaders do, Jesus says, he that is greatest among you shall be your what? Shall be your what? Servant. Servant. If you need prayer, you can come down. But everybody.